Hi everyone, and welcome to Meet the Masters, a product marketing podcast dedicated to the core strategies of product marketing. My name is Charlie Gale, and I am a copywriter here at Product Marketing Alliance. PMA is the single largest product marketing community in the world, providing a global platform for new and seasoned product marketing professionals to network, learn, and thrive in their careers. In this episode, I spoke to Alex McDonnell, Market and Competitive Intelligence Lead at Airtable, to discuss all things competitive intelligence. At Airtable, Alex builds customer-obsessed, competitor-alert intelligence programs that help sales, customer success, and marketing cut through the competitive noise with clear positioning. This is something that we touch on in today's episode along with what you can learn from the Competitive Intelligence Certified Master's course we have here at PMA, a course that Alex himself built from his experience and expertise in the field. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? Very well. Good to speak with you, Charlie. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. It's a pleasure. Um, So, right, I'm going to just jump straight in. Um, So you're the instructor for our competitive intelligence master's course. Um, So I want to know a little bit more about how you find the how you found the process for building the course and why you think it's such an essential topic for product marketers to learn. Yeah, I loved the process of building this course. I have been a team of one for most of my career. I've been on small teams um, for other parts of my career. And when that happens, like you, you never really have to kind of fully document or lay out your process or your function in a way that totally makes sense to someone else who's, who's completely new to it. And so when I started the process of developing the, this course, it was the first time that I really had to do that. And so there was all kinds of different uh, docs and whiteboards that I opened and went through and, you know, the whole process of kind of, you know, sketching and doodling and trying to find some structure that worked and then kind of throwing that away and getting feedback from from you all and the amazing team at, at PMA who could kind of speak on behalf of the community for what you've seen and the resources you already have and and how what the kinds of questions people are asking about competitive Intel. Um, and then I was really glad to actually finally arrive at a really simple structure for the course often arriving at, you know, that kind of simplicity takes quite a journey to get to with anything with any kind of like, you know, design or, or uh, information work. Um, and so basically, this the first half of the course is all about building the foundations of a competitive Intel function. And the second half is about bringing the insights from that function to different teams around the organization. So sales, marketing, product and executives being the four that we uh, that we focus on in the course. Um, and, uh, there's a sort of, uh, I hope a very thoughtful sequencing within that as well, where we start with, you know, uh, building the function with the, the kind of the things that are most accessible and kind of inexpensive to get at Intel that's already within your organization in, in, you know, all the different pockets of, of research people might already be doing, uh, web research, and then kind of upgrading to the things that might take a little more time, but will bring a little, uh, more richness with it as well. Things like win loss, actually interviewing customers, but why they went with you or with their their competitors. So that whole process of um, having to get all these kind of uh, lessons and learnings out of my head and into a, a, a thoughtful structure that can make sense to someone who's totally new to this field um, was a really enjoying, really really enjoyable and really fulfilling uh, process. And then why I think this is uh, essential or, or why I would recommend any 
product marketer, uh, aspiring or you know veteran to to invest in competitive Intel um, is for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, we we talk about you know really being obsessed with customers and their needs and their priorities and solving problems for them as product marketers. That's a pretty agreeable thing to say. Um, but being you know really customer obsessed doesn't mean you can be competitor dismissive. I mean, competitors are part of your customer's world. They are part of their consideration set. They are getting the job done somehow today. And however they're doing that is a competitor to you. And so if you really want to deeply understand customers' worlds and, and have you know full empathy for them, you got to understand competitors as a part of that too. Um, so that's kind of the most fundamental reason for me. And then at a more personal level for product marketers, I would argue that this, this skill is an incredible one to invest in for your own career trajectory. Um, I've I've found it's just so powerful to be the go-to person for something specific, right? Um, I think as product marketers, we can often end up kind of filling the gaps in the organization or being a kind of general, like we kind of touch everything, but you know, what's the main thing that we really own? And there's definitely great things and all the other courses that PMA offers of, of positioning and uh, personas and pricing. Those are awfully, obviously the, the core things that we can deliver as product marketers too. But competitive just has this special level of um, specificity and acuteness and kind of emotion that gets wrapped up in it where everyone around the organization has some demand for competitive insights from, as I mentioned, sales to marketing to leadership, solution engineering, product, all these different teams uh, want to understand what they're up against. And you can be the go-to person to help them make sense of that. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree, you know, with the market growing as it is, it's like so important to keep on top of your competitors and know how they're doing so that you can continue to improve your own. Um, yeah. So like as a CI expert, I think it's safe to call you that. Um, what do you <laughs> consider to be the key pillar for any competitive Intel strategy? Well, first of all, I always consider myself like eternally learning the day I decide to call myself an expert. I think I might as well quit because uh, the, the learning is the fun part for me and always connecting with people and, and discovering something new and something that I may have overlooked or oversimplified. So always learning, always the student, but definitely have learned a lot myself as well. And I want to help other people kind of catch up to that and get all those learnings in you know much less time than it took me to, to earn them the hard way. Um, but there's a couple ideas that are kind of foundational if you want to get started in CI. Some are a little bit more around principles and kind of approach, and then some are a little more tactical. Um, but I kind of mentioned this, this, it's a phrase I use a lot. I talk about being customer obsessed and competitor alert, uh, not competitor dismissive, not competitor obsessed, but competitor alert. And so uh, it really, everything we do has to be centered around how we're solving customer problems, their needs, their priorities, um, and our kind of view of their world. But again, competitors are part of that. We can't get around that. And so some companies, if they've been kind of really stung by a really tough competitor, they can swing too far to becoming competitor obsessed. Every little you know, feature release or rumor or uh, you know, social post about that competitor, they're like sharing around obsessively. And like, there's actually nothing to really do with that type of, of information. I wouldn't even call it competitive Intel at that point. It would just be like raw, raw information um, that we're obsessing over. We're not really making sense of it if we're approaching it that way. 
On the other hand, you might get companies that have a culture where we're, you know, we care only about the customer and competition is just a distraction. And I think that is um, a uh, an incomplete view of the world. And you're you're leaving a lot of uh, potentially compelling positioning and messaging uh, on the table if you're dismissive of your competitors and you don't even acknowledge them. Because again, customers are getting the job done somehow today they're going to need to hear something pretty compelling and specific um, to disrupt the way they're doing it today, disrupt that inertia of the status quo and change. Um, let alone, and, and there's an, an additional nuance to it, where if you are the status quo, if you're a larger company and the competitor that you're most concerned about is actually more of an upstart and they're, you, you're, you're playing a little bit more of defense, Okay, that's a different conversation too. We have to we have we're, we need to obsess with the customer's world that we already are a part of, and then actually play in to maybe that status quo and and talk about why uh, we don't want them to change. So there's all this nuance to it, but it all comes back to that customer obsession and a more alert attitude to competitors and trying to find that sweet spot. Um, another really fundamental point that I, I think we'll talk about in a minute too um, is ethics. That has to be like a day one agreed upon um sort of principle for anyone that's getting started in competitive intel uh we'll get more specific about that i think in a sec um and then another one that i've learned is in terms of the kind of key pillars for for doing competitive intel really well is building those internal relationships i think that's easy to say but it takes time and effort and energy and patience to actually do that well to to have personal relationships with everyone across those different teams that you are planning to support with uh, these insights uh, and not just try to like automate everything away, right? There's really compelling technology in, in product marketing and in competitive Intel now that's like, well, oh, you can send like automated insights to all these people. Well, yeah, that I would argue that's only gonna land if they know who it's coming from and if they know how you've tried to kind of make sense of it and how you're interpreting it. Um, uh, those relationships are really important because this is all about creating a cycle, right? A real learning machine where, yes, competitive intel is kind of uh, uh, listening to the market and sharing insights with all these groups. But then we also need to have a relationship where those groups can give us feedback. You know, think about sales. They're actually going to be the ones using this positioning with their customers. So we need to have a, a feedback loop with them to understand what's working and what's not. Same with marketing, with positioning kind of more broadly. With product, they're going to be doing deeper user research once things are out in the field, or maybe they're doing more competitive benchmarking. They These teams are going to have insights that we need to feedback into the competitive intel process as well. So those relationships are so key and, and not everything can be uh, automated away. We've got to actually build relationships and talk with the people across the organization. Brilliant, thank you. I think that um, feeds perfectly actually into my next point because in your course, you actually talk about um, how um, when you discover new things that your competitors are doing, you need to have like action points to be able to communicate that to your coworkers. Mm -hmm. um, so how... Do you communicate your findings to prompt a proactive response rather than, you know, instilling like a sense of panic or fear within your colleagues that like they need to do something straight away? Yeah, exactly. So when competitors uh, come out with something new, let's take the example of a new product launch. This is a good test to see where your culture is at. How are people going to react in that case? Are they going to say, oh, who cares? That's just a distraction. Our roadmap is the only way. And, you know, we've got this all figured out. And, and uh, let's just ignore this competitor dismissive. 
Or are they going to maybe start freaking out and saying, this is a huge deal. We were going to release something like this and now they've gotten there first. And that would be maybe a little competitor obsessed and a little panicky. And so we have a role and responsibility as the competitive Intel team uh, to try to moderate that, right? To try to bring us back to that middle place where it's customer obsessed. We're thinking about, okay, what might this mean for customers? And then what might this mean for us? Is this going to change how we message against this competitor? Is this going to maybe, should this maybe nudge or inform something that's on our roadmap? And so we have a pretty specific uh, one day process that we follow to help our organization make sense of significant competitive news. Um, so I'll run with the example of a product launch. This could be something like an acquisition, um, you know, maybe a major change in uh, in leadership or something like that, or a new partnership that that uh, competitor has signed or something. But a product launch is the most common uh, in our space, at least. So uh, if you've got, and you should, uh, have a, a channel for competitive discussions, maybe just called com- competition or competitive intel, um, use that as a place to acknowledge this news, right? And so uh, you, first of all, may not have been the first one to share it. Maybe somebody else first posted the article and maybe they got a little panicky or something like that. Okay, take that as a chance to say, hey, thanks for sharing this. Hey, what stood out to you? The competitive team is going to work on a briefing and we'll have that for you uh, today or tomorrow. So just acknowledge the news and say that a little bit of more thought and uh, and consideration is going to go into a competitive news briefing. Uh, and then as the whether you're a one person team or maybe you're a, a small competitive team or a couple product marketers doing this, um, have someone just do a first draft of a briefing. And we've got a really simple template in the in the course for this. I'll give it away now, though. Um, basically, we say, what did they announce? So just keep it really descriptive and withhold any judgment in that first section. And then what might this mean for customers? Try to infer, uh, you know, is this going to make things simpler for customers? More complicated. Is it is the new product sold separately? Is that going to complicate how they deal with the competitor commercially? Things like that. And then what might this mean for us? Uh, and again, we generally can split that into like, what might this mean for our messaging and positioning, the things we say, the story we're telling? And then what might this mean for our strategy or roadmap, the things we're building? And that's a little more geared towards like product and executive type conversations. So have that first draft and then share it just with a small group. This in-between step I find is really crucial. And this is where you could bring in, for example, a product manager or a designer that maybe has been looking at this product area or has some expertise with that competitor. Maybe a sales rep or solution engineer who has recently competed with that competitor Um, and just get a couple different opinions in there. And I always find this is well worth the time uh, and the the insights get a little sharper and a little clearer through this process and then share it widely. Um, And so we like to do one and only one version of our competitive news briefings. I know that some teams like to kind of do different different news briefings or newsletters for sales versus for product versus executives. That's always felt a little too complicated for me. And I kind of want everybody to be hearing the same insights and the same source of truth. I don't see a reason why the product team wouldn't be interested in what the sales team is going to say, nor vice versa, what the sales team, uh, the sales team would be interested in how this is going to affect the roadmap so that they're better positioned to compete in future. So we just deliver one version of the briefing to everybody, sales leaders, product leaders, product marketers, marketing leaders, and execs are our typical list. But then we also that we send that over email. And then we also post to the Slack channel, which can have anyone in it. And then there's always without fail, even more discussion that continues from there. And that's exactly what we want. 
Um, we actually just did a news briefing this past week where it got shared again from our competitive Slack channel into a, a particular engineering team's Slack channel. And they said, hey, competition looks like it's heating up in this area. And there was like 17 or 18 comments, some really thoughtful um, evaluation of those engineers of what our competitors were doing and how the, it kind of related to our strategy. Um, and we were just delighted to see that, right? Because that is what it looks like to have these competitive insights really thoughtfully absorbed by the organization. And so you can get to that with a final briefing that is really, really thoughtful, but still follows a simple format. Um, and one of my favorite tactics that I'll, I'll just end with is I love taking actual quotes from that initial small group that you shared it with. So maybe again, maybe that project man, product manager or sales rep or whoever, take an actual quote from them and put it right on the briefing. And it's a way of kind of both giving them kudos and establishing a little like the, the thoughtfulness and credibility of the briefing to say, hey, you know, uh, Charlie, our product manager who has been looking at this area, here's what she thought about this competitor's approach and how it compares to our approach. A quote from Charlie, and that kind of uh, adds a, a next level of richness where it's not just coming from the competitive team, it shows that it really is a team effort. And so that's what our process looks like for helping the organization make sense of competitive news. Brilliant, thank you so much. That's uh, really helpful to know. Um, so you touched on this briefly um, just a bit earlier, um, how competitive intelligence has some ethics and legalities to the process that I hadn't really considered before, such as like price fixing, antitrust laws and collusion and things like that. So what are the kind of uh, main things that you can do to ensure that your competitive intelligence remains ethical? So there's a few simple rules that I'm always holding in mind and advocating for around the organization when it comes to ethics and CI. But number one is that we never use impersonation. We never use fake identities. You know, we don't, you know, put on disguises and, and walk up to people saying that we're someone that we're not. Um, even, you know, filling out a form on a competitor's website, uh, you know, that is going to be with my my name and my work email. And, you know, in, in any context, you have to say who you are and who you work for. That is like the number one and clearest kind of uh, line around ethics that we draw. And there's an, an interesting question that often comes up um, because we're in this very sort of product led growth world now where so many software products have free trials. And so I'll get the question, hey, you know, do we is it OK if we sign up for free trials or do we have like paid versions of competitors that we can use for for Intel and for testing? Um, and there's a couple points on this. So again, the ethics point is still true here, right? If we're going to use these things, we we should be aware of, um, you know, uh, making sure that we're we're upfront about who we are and who we work for, and be aware of any other considerations legal around that. And then uh, the one that's related to this, but not necessarily ethical, is like we have to remember that we are not the user, we are not the customer, and so. If we're going to go and sign up for a competitor product and try to use it ourselves and then make judgments about it only by using it ourselves, it's pretty risky. It's, it could almost be dangerous and maybe even like worse than useless because the things that are really interesting to us could be overwhelming or overkill for a customer who's learning about this product category for the first time. We think about this product category all day, every day. Uh, on the converse, things that might seem totally trivial to us could be the things that unlock a ton of value or a ton of time savings for a customer if it's the first time they are seeing them. 
Um, so be really careful about tactics like that. And then, yeah, back to the ethical point, just to make it super clear, no impersonation, no fake identities, always say who you are and who you work for. Brilliant. That's perfect. Thank you. Um, okay. So what would you say in your experience has been your biggest competitive intelligence success? So one of my favorite moments working in competitive intelligence was after a presentation that we did for the sales team kickoff, a sales rep came up and said, after that presentation, now I want my customers to bring up our competitors so that I can use this positioning and this training that you just delivered. That was such a cool feeling because that was in a case where we were dealing with a competitor who had had a, a pretty serious effect on our business. Um, and was causing a lot of, you know, bordering on that kind of panic of like, what are we going to do about this competitor? It's, it's having a real impact on us. And to see the, the attitude shift and kind of the culture shift after that presentation um, was incredibly fulfilling. It really, it wasn't just that one presentation. That was really the culmination of a lot of work of kind of the research, the relationship building, supporting sales at the deal level and building relationships that way too, of actually going through the work together um, and building that credibility, I think it all kind of led up to that moment. So that was a really cool one. Um, and then another one that comes to mind was um, I delivered a win-loss research presentation to executives that was scheduled. I think I had like 45 or 60 minutes allotted on the agenda. And we went for like 90 minutes uh, because there was so much rich discussion that the executives ended up having. I think... Um, my, I've never uh, obviously been an executive myself, but my uh, my observation is that they end up getting a lot of information that is very summarized or has been through a lot of filters before it gets to them. And the nature of win loss research is it is straight from the customer. It's these it's these quotes and insights that came straight from someone who seriously evaluated us versus a competitor. And there is such high resolution to that, that I think it, it just prompted so many great uh, and constructive reactions and questions and different tangents that we went on with that executive group. So that was very fulfilling to be able to spark uh, that kind of uh, really rich discussion. So those were a couple of my favorite moments. Lovely. That's a really nice like end to this segment. Um, let's like segue nicely into the next one. So I have some questions that we've, we reached out to the um, PMA community um, to see if they had any questions for you. Um, so I've got some here that I'm going to ask. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's hear it. Brilliant. Okay. So the first one. Um, so who or which team do you prioritize working with internally? Sales and customer success, probably 40 to 50% of my time. And even now, we've I've, I've actually brought on a competitive enablement manager to specifically focus and prioritize on sales and customer success. Um, and her time is is probably 75, 80% sales, customer success. So yeah, between the two of us, it is the clear number one. Um, it is really where all of it, it I, I think it is really where the kind of the foundations and the credibility of competitive Intel is is built. Um, there is kind of like a more traditional school of competitive Intel folks who are more focused at kind of like the corporate strategy level. Um, I, it's a pretty different type of work. And so at least kind of the the school of competitive Intel that that I've been working in and and would kind of associate myself with is sales and customer success. We're creating resources, we're creating trainings, we're with them at the deal level. And through that work, through all that, what you might call tactical work, and sometimes that's thrown around as like a negative word, but I, I, I enjoy that, right? And I kind of really 
think that's so crucial to be embedded with those teams. Again, building those relationships, building that credibility and getting all the learnings that can only come from going through, you know, specific deals and understanding all those dynamics and all the different players that are evaluating us versus evaluating competitors and who's, who's tending to, to see things in a certain way. And then of course the win loss that, that is also at that level, but kind of in a looking back uh, fashion, that is the number one team. Uh, and then we are able to, kind of elevate those insights to the more strategic level in kind of a seasonal way, right? So imagine, okay, we're now we're going to join a quarterly planning session with the product team or with the marketing leadership. And we can bring all those rich insights and all that rich resolution that we've got from going through the work with sales and customer success um, to that table. Uh, of course, you can't get lost in that detail. That's, that is an important consideration, right? That if you allow yourself to get too pulled down into um, the, the nuances and details of every single request and you aren't able to find the patterns and the trends, then you're not getting everything out of that tactical work that you could be. Um, but that's kind of in general, how I think about the work. I, I as a, I, I don't know if it's personality type or what, but I kind of, I can't really hang out at the strategic, like big picture level for too long. Like I, at a point it's like, okay, I've, I've got the direction, you know, and we want to provide input. We want to influence that direction as well. But then it's kind of like, let's get to work. Like, let's, let's get into some, some customer examples. Let's get into some resources we can build, um, and, and keep that cycle going. Great. Thank you. Um, okay. Yeah. So next question, uh, what advice do you have for, um, getting buy-in from management to invest in a comprehensive CI strategy? So that question of buy-in, um, and you know, you, we, I often hear language like, how do I get buy-in or how do I influence stakeholders? I always try to check that with, are you starting with empathy for those stakeholders the same way we want to have empathy for our customers and for our users we've got to have empathy for our internal stakeholders too and so um rather than say how do i get buy-in for this program um consider approaching it as how can i offer this program as a way to support what my other stakeholders or what my leaders really care most about and what is top of mind for them um try to make that kind of mindset shift first uh that the the language of like getting buy-in or getting influence is a bit uh self-centered so i always do try to to kind of um call that out when i hear it um from there then yeah i mean it, it really is about mapping to company priorities and um kind of recognizing that uh competitive is probably already happening uh, everywhere around your organization but just not in an organized way and so if it sounds like I'm going to infer that competitive is something that you're personally interested in, that you see the importance of, but maybe it's kind of always on the side of your desk, which is super, super common, um, where as a product marketer, you're, you end up doing competitive, but you can only really do it with like 20, 30% of your time. If that's the case for you, um, again, once you've kind of made that mindset shift of like, okay, this is not about me getting buy-in, this is about supporting all these different stakeholders and leadership priorities, then try to find those quick wins. So. Try to time box like this quarter, we're going to do a win-loss project just for this segment, or we're going to create three battle cards just for these competitors. And it has to also be a team effort. Um, and so try to uh, create a bit of a working group uh, from you know sales, customer success, product, marketing, these different groups. And if you can get a project group together with a quick win, that I think would establish, uh, and not just I think, that will establish the credibility because I've seen it happen time and time again. 
uh, of the importance of this work and and further investment uh, should follow. I, before I joined Airtable to kind of uh, really stand up and lead the competitive Intel function here, that was how it worked. It was a working group of people who were all kind of doing it as a part of their role, um, some from marketing, some from customer success, some from sales, some from product. And they were kind of getting by and, and making it a, a team thing together before uh, it became eventually time to have someone lead it full time. So that's a very typical journey and, and one that uh, with the right with the right approach, I'm sure you will uh, you will succeed at uh, completing. Brilliant. Um, so to round this all off nicely, I've got a good question here that I personally would like to know the answer to as well. Um, where do you see the future of competitive intelligence programs going and how competitive can these strategies themselves get? Ooh, two really interesting questions. Okay, the future of competitive Intel thing. I think that a lot of the work we do today is uh, I'll I'll kind of count. I'll kind of uh, this might sound contrary to what I was saying earlier, but I do think a lot of the work we do today can be automated. Not the relationship building part, but the sense making and the and the the kind of putting things in context part. I think with uh, natural language processing and uh, machine learning, like there is definitely a lot that could be automated. Um, you know, we think about, for example, uh, Gong recordings. Gong is an incredible goldmine of data where uh, anytime a competitor gets mentioned right now, we get a keyword alert. Okay, good start. But we cannot listen to like the 200 calls a week that mention a competitor. A computer can, uh, and a computer can also make sense of them to say, uh, hey, competitive team, based on all the gong calls this week, month, quarter, here are the most common objections that are coming up, and here's how the field has been handling them. And based on those handles, here's here's uh, the handles that have been working, and here's who's actually been winning opportunities. So that like sense-making of what uh, I, I think the, the, the gong and sales call data stuff is a huge untapped opportunity. Um, and then I think also the with the kind of catching competitive news, right? There's an opportunity for um, technology to help us move faster there too, right? Because it, we see news, and we just like think to our, in our memory, oh, like how could we put this in context with other competitor moves or similar moves that we've seen? And again, like we're just relying on our organic brains to do that, and a, a computer could definitely do that better. So. Um, those are the sorts of things that I see making uh, huge upgrades to the world of competitive Intel soon. Um, can you remind me of the second question? Uh, yes. Yeah, so how competitive can these strategies themselves get? How competitive can these strategies get? So I'm going to infer that that question means how direct or aggressive should these competitive Intel or competitive campaigns get? Is that how you understand the question, Charlie? Yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a whole spectrum, right? And so you, as especially if you are like the upstart competitor and you're trying to disrupt an incumbent who you think is falling behind or overpriced or overcomplicated, uh, you should call that out and you should name names. Absolutely. And you may want to run whole campaigns um, that are based around getting that message across that like the time has come for this incumbent to fall. Uh, in general, then... As the incumbent, you may not want to name names or be as direct in your positioning because maybe then you're giving that upstart a little uh, uh, extra airtime or acknowledgement. 
that can be a shaky argument sometimes though too like unless they're a really you know kind of under the radar startup uh your customers probably already are aware of them and so you may be doing yourself a disservice if you're kind of convincing yourself that oh we shouldn't actually name them or be too direct because then we're acknowledging that they exist or that we're worried about them. No, you got to come back to that customer obsessed principle. If they are in your customer's world and they are in your customer's kind of perceptions and, and comparison set, you got to acknowledge them and you got to speak to it directly. Um, so those are some kind of some of my biases and, and hopefully give you a sense of kind of the spectrum of, of how competitive or how direct you may want to be. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Now, listen, Alex, I could listen to you talk about competitive intelligence for hours because I find it such an like an interesting topic and you are full of knowledge. Um, but unfortunately, that's all that we have time for. So thank you very much for joining. And I hope that our listeners, I'm sure they did, uh, learned a lot. Um, and yeah, thank you. You bet. Yeah, that was super fun. Um, thanks for the questions and thanks to everyone who contributed them in the community. Uh, best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. So it's Alex McDonnell, A-L-E-X-M-C-D-O-N-N-E-L-L. -L. And uh, yeah, I'm at I'm at uh, Airtable. Um, it's been a joy to work with the PMA people on the course. Uh, so I hope you have a look at it and uh, uh, consider investing in yourself through that. Um, and I also have a podcast uh, of my own on competitive intel. It's called Dance Battle, the competitive intelligence podcast um, that you can find as well. Bro, thank you. So there we have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. As Alex said, if you'd like to learn more about the Competitive Intelligence Master's course, check it out on our website at www.productmarketingalliance.com or check out the show notes for more information. Thanks for listening and see you next time.